Great morning, everyone, and welcome to Thank God for Monday. I'm Brother Greg Cellini of the Franciscan Brothers of Brooklyn and Seton Hall University, class of 1985. My great pleasure to be back with you again today. The purpose of Thank God for Monday is to inspire you, our audience, to take personal responsibility for your professional satisfaction. We want to provide you hope, healing, peace in these unprecedented, turbulent, uncertain times. Motivate you to search deep inside yourself in the quest for fulfillment. Listeners, it's really up to you as to how to utilize the information we provide today, take full accountability for the decisions you make and the resulting outcomes. Now, one of the goals of our show, thank God for Monday, is to introduce role models, role models of people who take very bold steps in their work lives. Now, November is a very special month. It is National Family Caregivers Month. National Family Caregivers Month is a time to recognize and honor family caregivers across the country. It offers an opportunity to raise awareness of caregiving issues, educate communities, and increase support for caregivers. And as such, we are honored today to have with us a most special guest. Her name is Karen Warner Schuler. Karen is the author of a great book entitled The Sudden Caregiver, A Roadmap for Resilient Caregiving. Great morning and welcome to Thank God for Monday, Karen. Good morning. How are you today? Thank God, doing great, and so wonderful to hear your voice today. I hope things are well with you also. Fantastic. Great. Believe it or not, we've only got 30 minutes this morning. If it's okay with you, we're going to jump right into the deep end of the pool. Sounds good. November, as I just said, National Family Caregivers Month. Help us out, please, Karen. What's the significance of this month to you? Well, I think the first thing is to talk about what a family caregiver is, and that is uh, we are essentially unpaid family members or members of your community uh, who take care of people who can't really care for themselves. And in some way, they can't fully care for themselves, typically unpaid, typically untrained. So my book is not about the um, the professional caregiver, and thank goodness for them, but it is for those people that take care of other people in their worlds. Uh, it's informal, and the reason that I love National Family Caregivers Month is that we end up in a position where we can say thank you to those people in whatever way will work for them. That is so terrific, and as this is the month of Thanksgiving also, what a beautiful, beautiful month to have you on the show. Thank God for money. We're very blessed to have someone of your real with us today. Now, if you don't mind, Karen, I'd like you to share with the audience and me a little bit about your story. When did you become a caregiver, and how do you feel about it now, please? Well, um, I became a sudden caregiver, which is why I called my book what I did because what I did because my late husband 
we called me. I was traveling for business. He was traveling for business. Uh, he called me at two o'clock in the morning. He had gone to the emergency room and said, I've just been diagnosed with stage four cancer. Oh, and we were so shocked by that diagnosis because there was no hint of that at all. He had a bad back, which is and, and some pain in his back, which is why he went to the emergency room to get that imaged. And so we went from, you know, finally getting to a place in our lives where the kids were grown and launched and everyone was partnered and um, everyone had jobs. And we ended up um, just really having a good couple of years of, you know, doing the things that we always thought we would do. And right at that point, it's when he received his diagnosis. So when he was diagnosed overnight as, as um, having cancer, I became overnight a sudden caregiver. And so I feel like cancer made this home invasion into our world. Oh, I'm very, very sorry to hear this story. No doubt about that. And it's very fascinating because your book is uh, subtitled or actually titled The Sudden Caregiver. But my feeling is that this great book applies to the longer term caregiving situation as well. Have I perceived it correctly, Karen? Yeah, thank you for asking that question. Because in reality, caregiving, my situation was, I went from one place to another, life as I knew it was over, as we knew it. And we, you know, you quickly have to adapt and get, get a lot of systems in place. But the longer term caregiver is someone who also experiences those sudden bursts. So you might wake up in the morning and you're, um, you get the phone call and you're not going to work that day. You're ending up going to the emergency room and figuring out what to do in this new situation as part of the longer term. Or you may have long-term caregiving support, professional caregiving support, where someone comes in to your home to help take care of someone and that person can no longer show up. And then you have, it's almost, it reminds me of childcare when, I was a single mom and raising my daughter uh, and all of a sudden you have to renegotiate daycare. It's very much, very similar in those, those situations. Yeah. Thanks so much for sharing that. Now, this may be a very unfair question, but I'm going to ask it anyhow, if that's okay. What's the very first thing you would advise caregivers to do if they very suddenly become caregivers? Well, there are 53 million caregivers in the United States. Wow. And it just, and that, I think that's a low number. I think we're, because of COVID, we're recounting that. And about 11% of the populations of developed countries. So the very first thing that happens in caregiving is you feel like you're thrust into crisis. And the first thing is to do whatever it is you do when crisis hits to stabilize. And that's going to be a little different for everyone. For me, the first thing is to get organized because, and I literally bought a binder and notebooks, and I talk about this in my book, and other caregivers I've spoken to echo this. Just, I I have a friend who says, you know, Mondays are mom days, the black briefcase, all her paperwork is in there, the brown briefcase is for me, for what I do for my work. So the first thing is to just know that 
this is a crisis. It will yield to a more stable time. If for only, if for only other reason is that you'll end up, um, you get used to it. You get used to the crisis. But I thought we were going to go from crisis to crisis to crisis to death. And that is not, that's not what happened. So in my book, I, I created a roadmap with the acronym CARE, which says caregiving takes place over phase, in phases over time. So crisis, that's the C, as normal as possible, A, resolution, R, and evolution, E. And if you can just remember that you're moving through these phases, and the ideal is to get to uh, as normal as possible and stay as normal as possible for as long as possible. That's really the phase of quality of life. What a terrific acronym and terrific tips and perspective around that. Now, I would imagine that caregiving can be relentlessly depleting because we're always reading about how hard caregiving is. But the subtitle of your book is very interesting, A Roadmap for Resilient Caregiving. Please share with us about resilient caregiving, please. Thank you for asking that question. Resilience is one of those words that's making a comeback. It's something that people talk about all the time. And it really does mean something very specific. So resilience, the word comes from Latin re, back, and um, uh, celere, to jump. So to jump back. And originally it was named for chemical substances like rubber, like a rubber band that would pull and come back together. And that's the definition of resilience. But in psychology, we take resilience one step further and we say, You stretch the band and it comes back and you bounce back better. So the idea is when you're, when you have an adverse event, like you become a sudden caregiver, you can actually make, you can learn from the build strength and learn from the adversity. And therefore, when you face the similar adversity later, which you will, crisis comes back again, you will be able to no, you can look at it, recognize where you are and say, okay, I know what this is. I've done this before. It's not, and it doesn't hit you as hard. So that's resilience. You actually build up your strength as you go through adversity. Um, the reason I think it's important for caregivers is because in my book, I have, I divide it into three sections. The first section is how to be a caregiver. So I first decided to write the book thinking I'm going to do this roadmap, C-A-R-E. And then I realized, well, if you're on a journey and you're going to go through those phases, you need some strength and resilience in your backpack. Sure. And so the first part of my book is how to be a caregiver, then how to do caregiving, then what to do beyond caregiving. But how to be a caregiver is is what I call pathways to well-being. And when I first became a caregiver and my natural inclination is to Google everything and figure out how to be a better caregiver because the research says if you're a good caregiver, so will you'll, you'll benefit the person in your care. Uh, All I found was what you just said, negative depleting. I'm always worried about money. I'm worried about time. I'm worried about not doing a good job. I'm worried about losing my job. And those things are all true. hundred percent. Absolutely. And it wasn't my only experience. So I began talking to caregivers and 
looking at the lived experience of caregivers, that research. And what you find is caregiving is also a source of well-being. And that's what I call the caregiver's paradox. The people who are caregivers are not having only a difficult time. They are having a difficult time, but there are also moments of joy and pride, feeling closer to the person in your care and the other people around you that are helping with that. So that is a, that is, uh, that is a formula for well-being. If you can identify those things. So what I call, what I call, um, building a practice of well-being, I use these resilience builders in my book to say, yeah, it really is easy to wake up and go, ugh, this is still going and I'm exhausted, but you have to catch yourself and put a practice of resilience in place where you reframe, look for the good, really try to, to pull yourself up out of the negative aspects of caregiving. This is such wonderful advice and much needed advice. As you know, thank God for Monday is a show about the workplace. I'm sure there's a lot of people listening right now. Some of them may be in the same situation. And as you just said, maybe they're worried about uh, not doing so well on the job or losing a job, certainly. Did you want to talk just briefly, Karen, maybe about the connection between the workplace and the caregiver and how maybe the sudden caregiver is impacted in the workplace? Thank you so much for that question, because I just read a number that said uh, caregivers make up about 17% of the workplace population in the U.S. Wow. And it's their secret. They're quiet. They don't raise their hand for a number of reasons. One is you. it depends on what the care receiver, the person in your care wants in terms of communication. But caregivers are reluctant to go in and say to their workplace bosses or coworkers, you know, I'm in a caregiving situation and my husband has stage four cancer. Sometimes because that's the deal they made with the person in their care. And that is because that person, certainly true of my late husband, he didn't want anyone professional, professionally to know because he would, he felt he would be marginalized and he, he was right. And he worked absolutely to the very last second that he could no longer work. That's amazing. It was months up right up to months before he died. And that was the most important thing to him. And my job was to make sure every day he worked was a good, good day. So there is that aspect of caregiving. Also, it depends on your job and the people that you work with, but you really do want to be careful what you do share and you don't want to marginalize yourself to have someone say, well, you know, we need to send somebody to do this really important assignment, but it can't be Karen because she's a caregiver. And so you really have to monitor that. I think the other thing that happens as a caregiver certainly happened to me. I had my own business. I love what I do. I'm an executive coach, but you don't have the extra energy to give constantly to a workplace. So go a little easy on yourself, allow yourself to be in a cocooning state, a sort of, I'm really good at what I do, but I'm not gonna burn the midnight oil. I'm going to take care, do some self-care so that I save up some of my energy for the situation that's happening in my home or in my community where I'm caregiving. 
Thank you very much. Then those two key words you just said, self-care, uh, speak volumes. Now, no matter how resilient a caregiver may become, is there maybe a problem or two that you've seen caregivers face that are just absolutely overwhelming, Karen? Um, waking up in the morning sometimes can be overwhelming oh. and, um, and just for me and, and I was a caregiver a relatively short period of time and I would have given anything for it to have gone on, you know, to would still be sitting here not having to say this, but, um, when caregivers are in that place of complete you're on call. All decisions are coming through you and it's a place of depletion. The biggest problem is pulling yourself up out of that. And it really is up to you. Uh, caregivers are notorious for not taking help or asking for help. About 50% of caregivers are going completely alone. There are a lot of reasons for that. And it's not just because caregivers feel like you know, there's something called self-sufficiency syndrome, which is, you know, I, I, I'm the best person to do it. Thank you very much. I'm right. There are a lot of reasons why not. Again, you don't know what your care receiver wants to have happen if, if you're talking about bringing help into your home. But what I do recommend is creating what I call in my book, your care leading squad, which is there are people in all of our worlds, even if they're not co-located where we live who are the, the, we're in reciprocal relationships with them. That is, if they're broken down at midnight on the side of the road and they call you, you get in your car and you go help and vice versa. And so what I recommend is before you are in crisis, before you have to, when you know you're headed into a caregiving situation or when you're in it, line up those people who are your reciprocal, who you know will show up for you no matter what. And I think when you start looking in your world, you find more people than you expect. So what I recommend doing is what are the things that you don't want to do as a caregiver? So for me, I I can balance my checkbook and uh, deal with the insurance companies, but I'm not, I don't, I'm not good at it and I don't like it. And I have actually the friend, the husband of my best friend who loves that. And so he was my numbers guy. And we had one of the worst winters in Boston since 1872 when my husband first died. Oh, man. We were pounded by blizzards, seven blizzards, one right after the other. And I had, uh, you know, when leaks started happening in my ceiling, there was my neighbor, Nick, who he knows his way around a toolbox and we were not able to address that. So I, in my mind, I lined up who these people were. Then I called them and I matched them to, you know, gee, if I ever need you, can I call on you? And I, I highly recommend doing something like that because that's really, that really helps not feel so alone. I could see where that would be so, so helpful. So if I perceive correctly, there's an importance of connection and community for caregivers. Do I understand that, Karen? Yeah. Yeah. About that. Okay. Now, I'm sure, again, there are some people out there who, unfortunately, similar to yourself, may have very recently gotten that call and put into a crisis situation. 
I think you've talked about a couple of these things, but are there three main things caregivers can do right away that can really help create a healthier caregiving experience? And you may have touched upon one or two already, but please don't hesitate to reinforce them for us. Well, I think the first thing is I always say hope for the best and plan for the worst. And that is not something you have to partner with your care receiver on because in, in my case, all we talked about was my husband finding the right treatment to reverse the cancer. And that was, that was our battle cry. So I'm not going to sit with him and go, so what if the worst thing happens? But in reality, I had to prepare for the worst thing because the decisions were going to happen through me and in me. So that number one is what make a list of what those things, if it's worst case, what are those things that you're going to be exposed for? And the, the second thing there is when you make that list, finances, legal things, understand, do you have power of attorney for this person? I got to a point where I wanted to pay my late husband's, uh, car lease. I just wanted to make a payment. Sure. And they wouldn't let me because my name wasn't on the lease. Uh, And it was a whole thing to be able to give them money to actually settle uh, up and pay. So there are all kinds of things that we take for granted. We, the 59% of people in the U.S. do not pay attention to their wills or their, uh, you know, we all think we're going to live forever. And those are the things that that will make your life terrible when, in the end, if you haven't thought those things through. Um, not, you know, understand if you can't work or the person, my, my husband got to a place where he was no longer making a living and we were, we had a two income lifestyle. So how wow. think, you know, taking a step back and thinking about how, how is that going to happen? What do we need to do? Um, so those are the kinds of things. Now, the other thing is to really, we talked about self-care a moment ago. Self-care is that I'm going to treat myself the way I treat my best friend. I'm not going to treat myself like, you know, Karen, you didn't do, you could have done better. Oh, right? wow, um, that's you terrific. didn't jump through that hoop. Why did you? So there are a couple of things you can do around that. But one is to stop at the end of every day and ask yourself, what are you grateful for? And to whom are you grateful? One or two things that happened in the day just behind you that were positive, good things. And there is a lot, it sounds so simple. There's a lot of research that says that it is a a flywheel to turn around your experience of caregiving and kind of raise your well-being. Ah, that's terrific. No doubt about that. Now, it's always important, I feel, and I'm a recovering CPA. I was 30 years in Big Pharma before becoming a Franciscan brother. So we would do a lot of postmortems and looking back and see what can we learn. And I'd be curious if there is one or two things that if you were to go right back to the very beginning when you got that first phone call that you would tell yourself now or advise yourself, are there one or two things maybe that you, you'd advise yourself years ago? Well, I think the first, which I don't think I could have taken on board on day one, is that caregiving is a marathon. It's not a sprint. And I, and I think as a caregiver, you can't really 
look at how long this might go on. It's a, it's a paradox because the longer it goes on, the better you, you get to hang on to your loved one and the more depleting or the more potentially life changing and life altering it is for you. So just knowing I have trained for and run a couple of marathons and wow. you don't just go out and run them, right? <laughs> you have to really look at what's involved and how you're going to build up the stamina to be able to carry forward. So recognize that it's a marathon, not just in how long it takes, but also how you need to prepare for it to make sure you're taking care of yourself over that long haul. Um, another thing is your old normal is gone. Like uh, the first week that we were living with this diagnosis, if I had a dollar for how many times people said to me, well, this is your new normal, your old normal, you know, this is, oh, I don't God. like that phrase new normal because it makes it sound like you're, you're, you've been thrust into this place where you have no agency over the situation. Sure. And it is true. You have to renegotiate your agency. Like it, it, you can't just go forward the way you were. I call it in my book, going behind the looking glass. So everyone looks at you and you look perfectly normal and like everything is just going on the way. Oh, but we just had this cancer diagnosis. But, um, but it really is important to understand you are separated and therefore what are the choices you have? So while you can't go back to your normal, you can go to a place as normal as possible. And that, that is the A in my roadmap, but it really is exactly each of those words. It's as normal as possible. It's not how we would have done it. It's not how other people would like to see us do it, but it was how do we define and design this life given the situation that we're in? And I think the third thing is that caregiving is, you know, we've talked about this. It's depleting, but if you build that habit of resilience, if you allow yourself to believe that you can, in fact, have a good day and a good experience in your caregiving world. We understand, Karen, you put a lot of resources for caregivers on your great website, www.thesuddencaregiver.com. Share with us, please, though, what resources are there and, and where can our listeners find your book? Oh, thank you so much. The book is on Amazon, so, uh, and there, it's downloadable, uh, as an ebook, but you can also get the paperback. And this week, I'm in the studio recording the audio version of the book, which will be available on Audible by the end of this year. Uh, the, on my website, I, there are two things that are really important. If you don't have my book, you can still get my roadmap. It's right on my website, download for free. You can also get my uh, graphic, uh, my infographic on pathways to well-being. So that those are two things. And then there's a resource tab. And what I've tried to do is collect and, and people reach out to me and I'm keeping this fresh and updated. Any resource that I felt a caregiver would be able to avail themselves. So things like the American Cancer Institute or whatever the disease state is, there's an association but also things I found along the way that are geared toward caregivers. There's about 40 tabs out there that I put. Every one of them has dozens of links to other things that you might find helpful. Um, caregivers are caregivers for the first time. We're not 
this is often the first job as a caregiver. So we don't have a lot of practice. And I just want caregivers to know there are resources out there. My website and that resources tab is a good place to start. Thank you, Karen, very, very much. Listeners, please take full advantage of these great resources. The Sudden, www.thesuddencaregiver.com. Pick up a copy, at least one, if not more, of this great book, The Sudden Caregiver, A Roadmap for Resilient Caregiving. It's holiday time. This would make a great holiday gift, in particular for someone who's just been thrust very unexpectedly into becoming a caregiver for a loved one, certainly. So please take full advantage of this. After you've done that, don't forget to follow us and check out our social media. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, uh, um, LinkedIn. And now, very recently, we're on TikTok as well. So uh, go to TikTok and hear all about us. We love your questions, comments, suggestions, et cetera, et cetera. Karen Warner Schuler, author of this great book, The Sudden Caregiver, A Roadmap for Resilient Caregiving. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Your courageous story was so inspiring for us today. Yes, it was enlightening, but even much more inspiring for those who are in a caregiver situation, those who will be in a sudden caregiving situation. We wish you continued happiness, joy, success in all this great work you're doing. Thank you so much, Greg. It was so wonderful to start my week, my Monday with you. (laughs) The pleasure and honor were all ours. Listeners, guess what? Once again, we're out of time. Greg's saying, my hope and prayer is that when you wake up on Monday morning, just like Karen does, you'll say, thank God for Monday. Have a great week, everyone. And we'll see you next week for the next episode of Thank God for Monday.